1: and welcome to the Three Lions podcast and welcome to Pristina in Kosovo. Now there's a phrase I never thought I'd utter maybe a year or so ago. But that's what affords you, following England around the the world, going to some places that are perhaps just off the beaten track a little bit. Of course England are here for their last Euro 2020 qualifier. It is the final one because on Thursday the 14th at Wembley, We qualified in impressive style with a 7-0 win over Montenegro in what was our 1,000th game. We'll speak to Matt Astbury, England blogger, about that game soon. That's coming up. Now on the same evening in Prague, Czech Republic, they beat Kosovo 2-1 to secure their place as well. So on paper, the game's result won't have any bearing on the final standings. However, Kosovo are still in with a shout through their Nations League performance. So they're going to look to put on a good show for all the supporters that are going to turn up. Also coming up on the podcast, we're going to look back over the other games that the various England sides have played over this international break. The last international break of this calendar year, the Lionesses have been in action, as have the under-21s, the under-20s and various young Lions age groups. So we'll cover those results further into the podcast. Now I've collected my ticket, it's cost me €5, I can't remember the last time I paid that little to watch any standard of football, let alone watching England. Now I set off from Tirana in Albania this morning with the guys from On The Ball Travel and their coaches, so a shout out to them. It's now just gone two o'clock, I'm currently sat next to the ninth ugliest building in the world. 2009 apparently this is what i'm reading from the free lions magazine now this building is one we spoke about with Arban barisha in the the last podcast and it's actually the national library of kosovo i guess it's one of those buildings that you either like or you don't like a bit like marmite it's loads of sort of concrete blocks all piled on top of each other with apparently 99 white domes on top of them said to represent the hats of traditional albanian and national costume it's all right actually i don't mind it it's got this weird metal mesh grid across all of the all of the windows and up the side of it It's, it's very strange very hard to describe uh your best bet is google as with a lot of things and the stadium for tonight's game is literally is behind me, it's probably about a five minute walk behind me. Everywhere it seems in Pristina is appears to be about five, ten minute walk from the centre. So it's a nice little compact city. Now the welcome the Kosovans have given us has been amazing. The extended hand of friendship it um, 's just been superb all the way up Mother Teresa Boulevard, which is one of the main pedestrian streets in the city. There are flags, both St George's cross and the the Kosovan flag as well, hanging from the from the trees. Loads of street sellers all selling half and half scarfs. Never really been a half and half scarf person, but I kind of feel. I can't feel obliged to buy one of these. Whether I will remains to be seen. But the whole hand of extended friendship, of course, goes back to the goes back to the war when Kosovo went about getting their independence, which was fought around the the around 98, 99 time. It was, of course, between Yugoslavia and the Kosovo Liberation Army. Kosovo was basically handed to the United Nations, who then decided their final status basically they, they were the ones who decided what would happen to Kosovo and one of the re- or the main reason why England and Great Britain as well are seen as great friends was because we Great Britain were one of the first countries to recognise their independence straight away and it was literally a day after Kosovo declared their independence it's also worth mentioning on the journey in on the convoy of coaches people who we passed in the more built up of areas standing on the pavement, actually waving at all the, uh, the England coaches going by, children smiling and giving the thumbs up. You just think that with the stigma that some still attach to England fans, it'll be interesting to see if this sort of news stretches to some sections of our media, if you get my drift. And it has to be said that America as well, the United States, are well thought of as well, to the point where Bill Clinton has his own statue here in Pristina and that is where we're off to now one of these stranger things I found in Pristina is a life-size well a little bit bigger than life-size a bronze statue of Bill Clinton up against a, a big banner Bill Clinton 42nd president of the United States along Bill Clinton Boulevard, he's standing there with his arm in the air, he's got some some sort of book in his hand, there's actually just up the, uh, about 100 yards up the road, there's a picture of his wife, just to even it up. Stars and Stripes flag, flies to just one side, no sign of Monica Lewinsky though. Now before we head to the ground, I spoke with Matt Astbury following the Montenegro game, this is our conversation. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, welcome to England blogger, Matt Astbury. Hello there. Hi, Russell. How are you? All right, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. We're talking the day after the Montenegro game at Wembley. You were there, as was I. What did you make of it?
2: Uh, Easy night for uh, for Gareth and the team, wasn't it? Uh, Mm. Seven goals. I mean, the first half. I couldn't get over how good England were. Obviously, you've got to take into account the fact that Montenegro aren't the greatest team in the world. But one thing that um, always struck me was that a few years ago, when we'd played Montenegro on a very frequent basis in qualifying for World Cups and European Championships, we often struggled against them. They were quite... Uh, they're a bit like Nor- a bit like Northern Ireland who, now, where they were like very dogged defensively, and they have always had a shock in them. I can remember England going to Montenegro a few years ago, only coming away with the draw. And when when we came away with the draw, it was more the fact that oh, that was a good result. And I think going into the first game of this, when we played uh, Montenegro away a few months back now, um, I think the fact that there was a lot made of um, you know all Montenegro atmosphere. Obviously, you know there was the racist chanter, which does cast a dark shadow over that game but then england you can tell this england team are something different now because they made that trip to montenegro look so easy and they made the game last night i was speaking to my parents actually on the phone a few hours ago and they basically said it was like england were playing a non-league side it was like montenegro didn't want to be there but it was great to see harry kane get on the hat trick now he's moved up to the sixth all-time leading goal scorer for england and then see Alex Oxide-Chamberlain as well get back on the score sheet, he's, since his injury, I think he's come back really strong. And that first goal, the, con- the touch he took to control the ball, and then second touch, fires it into the bottom corner. It was just a great performance overall. And great to see Tammy Abraham get his first goal as well, because obviously how he's been playing for Chelsea. He's got a lot of England fans excited when he started being included in the squad. So, no, it was a great night. And I'm really excited now for next year and for the championships.
1: Yeah, that's right. We are now qualified to Euro twenty twenty. We will be there. Definitely three home games in the group stages and keeping our fingers crossed for those games in the semi-final and the final. There was a couple of other things that from last night. Obviously we had the, the Sterling Gomez incident uh, in the lead up to it, which was, which was a little bit distracting. But Gomez came on and and got a little bit of a bit of a boo, which I thought was a little bit out of order from from some England fans. And I, and I struggled to really see how or why that came about. Well, as you
2: said, um, you used the perfect word to describe that incident. It became a distraction, didn't it? When it mm. came out on Monday, um, what happened? For so what should have been a celebration of England's international footballing history, even though some of it isn't great, even though some of it is... Really bad. I mean, there was a good documentary ITV did, which was broadcasting on Tuesday night, yeah,
0: which was really yeah.
2: good looking back at some of the not so great uh, memories as an England fan. But um, no, it was just a bit of a distraction. And the problem was, well, I was walking around Wembley before the game and when I went to um, the Green Man for a few uh, few drinks before the game, it was, the sad thing was it was all that was being talked about, which was really annoying. because I just wanted to you know, think, oh, it's a thousand games. It's a very historical occasion. But then... When it came on for the booze, I thought that was uncalled for because I think, as an England fan, when you mention to people, you go in to watch, let's say you're going to watch England away, for example. When I mention that to people, automatically some people get in their head that, oh, England fans going away, that he's just going there to drink a load and, you know, cause trouble. And that is totally not the case. And I think the problem is, you know, England fans we're so slowly just trying to be on good terms with the team and after that world cup last year i thought that bond had been really strengthened and the fans and the team were closer than before but now after what's happened on last night when gomez got booed i thought it was totally uncalled for and the sad thing was as well was that his family was also at the game i mean for those who are booing they might be listening i don't know but just think let's say if um if you put yourself in joe gomez's position you know, you were being booed coming on, your family were there. Just think about what the family were feeling. Like They were probably thinking, why have 70,000, why has a minority turned on my, my son, for example? It was just, it wasn't on it and it just didn't make any sense. But, you know, I think that issue's been dealt with the right way. I think it's lucky that it was Montenegro that we were playing. I think it was a bigger team. I don't think Sterling would have been dropped. I think, would, I think it would have been kept in the side, but I think it was lucky that it was Montenegro and, you know, by the, by what we have been told, obviously, there's different media accounts of what happened. But um, Sterling, obviously, was in the wrong by flipping out at Gomez when he arrived at St. George's Park. So, they're booing Gomez for something that he didn't instigate, which is a bit weird. But, mm-hmm. yeah, again, it's sad because it's formed distraction in the aftermath of this game when it was such a good, flawless attacking performance. So, we should be really excited for what the future holds. But, instead, it's all about... England fans booing their own
1: Yeah No let's, let's hope it was just a one-off And I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, the, the Kosovo game That If Gomez does get the, the Opportunity to come on the pitch Then he's going to get the, the Reception that he deserves Yeah But I mean 7-0 against Montenegro As you say It was a real attacking force It was good performance all over Sterling didn't play but Gareth has said he he will feature in the game against Kosovo. But those players that did play against Montenegro, they're going to think, well, we put in a seven nil performance here. Some of those are going to be frustrated to get dropped, aren't they?
2: Yes, but I, it was as a valid point that was brought upon um, the Guardian Football Weekly podcast. I listened to on my way back up to uh, Leeds was that the thing is Sterling St- Sterling as a brand is so big, and we're just lucky to have him as an England player, he has more Instagram followers than the England football account, which just shows how big a personality he is. And also I think for what he stands for as well, for what he's been trying to do for black players in this country, try and get them on a level playing field when it comes to media reports. And that, I think, I think as well, because you can tell Sterling's passionate. I think another thing he got to take into account is that he's very passionate about, about Manchester City. I mean, you know, often he gets jeered for being, you know, a sellout, always going for the higher price. But you know, he has passion, and I know definitely when Gareth told him that you will not be playing on Thursday. I, I definitely think he would have just sat there, and been like, "What have I done?" Because he, he loves playing for the England. But again, I think even though some of those players that played against Montenegro will be dropped, I think the main positive thing is is that we've got a good squad depth for the championships because you will not go through. A tournament like the Euros or the World Cup without getting injuries of some sort. So even though some of those players who played last night will be disappointed that they've been dropped, there's there will more likely be a chance coming up because obviously we'll have warm-ups in March and just before the tournament in June. So it will be it's I think it's gonna even itself out. I'm just we've just got to be grateful that we've got such a good bit uh, squad depth now that we, you know, if we get an injury, for example, uptight, let's say if Sterling does get injured, I wouldn't be you know, nervous that another player's being brought in after what I saw last night.
1: Yeah, no, other players can step up to the plate. Yeah, you're right. Well, yesterday it was, as you say, a celebration of England football. Of course, England's 1,000th game, which is a marvellous achievement. I kind of felt a little bit let down by the what was going on at half-time and the whole sort of there was there wasn't as much razzmatazz as I um, as I thought there might be um, the program I thought was absolutely superb that they produced I don't know just at half time there was only a handful of players and I think there was there was only a few that they actually spoke to uh, it would have been great to have some of the like the 66 term players maybe around there just various other players I thought could have uh, been on on show and spoken to, rather than have a, a five-minute Deliveroo guy trying to find someone in the crowd.
2: <laughs> yeah. For what it was, it did seem a bit flat. I do see where uh, you are coming from. I think, again, I don't think the day helped that much. I think the game on a Thursday night was um, a bit weird. Obviously, with scheduling and stuff. We can't really do a lot about that. I think out of all the teams, England could have uh, had playing that game. I don't think Montenegro would have been top of their list. I think if they knew knew the date very well in advance, I presume they would have picked a big team. Well, most likely Germany to come and play in it as like a sort of big celebration of uh, the English football, that sort of thing. But no, it was a bit flat. But again, I, I don't know. I think sometimes with these things, you know, with it being, you know, with England basically qualified, they had to try and find something else to the game up essentially and it was just by look the 1000 international was that game but i think the opponent didn't help and i think just i no not know he just felt like he was just missing that sort of bump that's like oh it's the 1000 international but there are many different factors but again you know i did i've got a program and things like just to say i was there i've kept uh instead of having the mobile tickets usually i've asked for a paper ticket this mm. time so i've got that as memento but it's more or less there going I was there. It's a historical occasion, but you know, I think just sometimes some things just don't go the their way and the opponent and stuff that that game in particular just didn't help.
1: Yeah. And, and I think I would just like to to acknowledge the the Montenegrin fans. I think there was probably only about 20, 25 of them, they were <laughs> tucked away there being I think there was more stewards around them than actual f- montenegro fans yeah. which i found slightly amusing
2: i've seen more people at a house party than uh, in that little section so no fair play to them again i think those can say their families i was there for england's 1000 international don't talk about the result but uh
1: i was there for that historic that historic game yeah you're right so you're, you're an england blogger you're also an england travel club member how long's the blog been going for i've
2: only just really recently started the blog i mean the first um I did really from the start of this international, uh, this qualifying campaign, really, because then I want to just keep it going uh, all the way through. So the first games that I did a blog on was the um, Czech Republic at home and Montenegro away. I usually try and cover them both games in the break as in one piece. But then for the Euros next year, I'm going to probably do, you know, one per game and try and keep it going, keep it flowing. So, yeah, and then I did one on um, the Nations League trip in june to portugal uh, that's what i'm particularly uh proud of i always try as well to like <laughs> i'm a bit annoying on the away trips because you know i do spend a lot of time walking around the city but quite a lot of the time i'm taking photos to put on the uh blog itself because i quite like to use my own uh material just to give that more of an authentic feel to it and then um sadly i missed out doing a uh, post on the bulgaria and kosovo uh home games, surely because I've, i was just very busy around that period and um The one game I did miss because I went to go and watch uh, England play Australia in uh, the Ashes at Old Trafford in Manchester, so I wasn't able to get a full set of um, eyes on the game. But then the most recent one that's the first thing on my uh, page is that trip to uh, Czech Republic and Bulgaria, which was uh, a it was an amazing trip. Even though the Bulgaria game, obviously you touched on that on the previous podcast of uh, what happened, but. no, I really enjoy. I really enjoy that trip, and it's got a lot of positive reception. That's the uh, that's the good thing. What, since I've been doing them, everyone, even in the uh, England Travel Club Facebook group, for example, or on Twitter, or just that, uh, or you know, just reaching out on Facebook and social media, get really enjoying them, keep them up. So yeah, that's really spurring me on. But I'm really enjoying doing them.
1: Yeah, no, we'll keep it up. They are a good read. And I think it's it's Matt Asbury Sport at Word, yes. or dot wordpress.com, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I, I do blog on other stuff as well. So, you know, if you there's also different uh, stuff on there, I'm putting a few cricket pieces together as well at the moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously England uh, diaries, as I call them, the blogs, they're the main feature of my site, but I do also write about other things as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good read. We'll link to it via the uh, via the Three Lines podcast as well. Um, and you've got a day job which kind of uh, is sport related as well, which sounds quite interesting. Yes, I'm um, an editorial assistant at uh, DAZN,
2: which is a sports streaming company. It's based in Leeds, but it doesn't operate. It doesn't broadcast in the UK, but it broadcasts in uh, Canada, for example. Uh, the USA they obviously make a lot of noise because they've got, like the big boxing broadcasters over in the the states now, and they've got uh, rights in Brazil Japan Germany um so yeah um, basically what the zone is it's like Netflix what for sports so it's um basically you just log on uh, for a, a monthly fee so for example um let's say let's use the Netflix for example like Netflix you pay 9.99 ninety99 a month The zones is the exact same model you pay just a flat fee per month you can just watch whatever sport they've got the rights to for example in Canada, it's very big because we've got um the nfl american football on there and that this year they've just got the premier league rights and you know we can share every game in canada but judging by feedback we've got through various forums and subscribe numbers that's gone down really well we have champions league as well so uh in canada it's a very big driving force for club football over here so yeah no it's um it's always a growing company but uh no it's very exciting but it's showing how it's changing now obviously uh it's gonna be quite difficult to break into over here with the if you like the sky and seeing bt with the money they've purchased for champions league rights obviously they've got to try and get a foothold in there somewhere but no it's a exciting job and exciting industry and i don't think it'll be uh i don't think it will be long until we see um
1: sports streaming sites coming uh, into the uk Yeah, well, we shall see. Watch this space. Uh, And you're also on Twitter, aren't you? If people want to connect with you, yes, uh, at
2: Astbury Matt on Twitter. I presume you'll probably link to it in uh, the podcast. But yeah, no, you can drop me a follow. I'll probably if you're an England uh, travel club member, um, I'll probably follow you back (laughs) because uh, you know it's nothing better than meeting up with people. That's the that's the one good thing I always say to people who always ask what is it like going to watch England Um, away. I've made so many good mates already just through going on these trips so you know it is an experience obviously you do go to some uh interesting places well it's an experience you won't forget and you know eventually you'll probably be knocking up uh, uh being in a group with uh loads of uh, like nearly 100 people i mean i've already in a whatsapp group which is just people i've met through the england uh, away it's always in contact as well so yeah no it was um drop me a phone on twitter and i'll definitely get back to you
1: yeah can't echo that enough more yeah go go on england go on england away duty and yeah you've got friends for life i know that as a uh, as a fact matt thank you very much for your time uh, i say we will link to uh, your twitter and the blog as well and yeah we need to uh, we need to catch up and have a beer together
2: yes definitely russell i look forward to it
1: This is the walk up to the ground, it's dark now. Massive floodlights illuminate the uh, the stadium. FC Pristina, Kosovo on the outside. St George's crosses, you see the reverse of them as we walk up to the stadium. We're just about to go through the turnstile. Kosovan players have come out for their warm-up to a, a huge round of applause. Ground is half full. It's honestly it? it's 20 past five. Kick-off at six o'clock. It's a ground as a single tier all round. Already, Kosovan fans jumping up and down. There's a main stand over the far side. There's a running track that goes around it. It's got two almost like media suites either side of the main stand. Four huge floodlights each corner. Two big screens at either end. And the England end is starting to fill up. Loads of St George's crosses all around. What I could see at the the reverse of the flags I can now see on the inside. London Reds, Mike. Chelsea, SW1 Blues Superblock 109 and There's plenty of England fans or England flags in the uh, the home end as well so a lot of England fans have managed to get themselves in Whatever, why is this alright? It's dark Bit of a chill in the air and there's people looking over the other side of the ground trying to get a vantage point in But to be honest, I don't think there's going to be a real vantage point from anywhere outside. There's a couple of houses dotted up on the hills, but you're not going to get a a real good view. England 1, Kosovo 0, standing on the top steps of the England section and behind us the road leads up to the main square in Pristina where the big screen is plenty of people who haven't got a ticket are standing up there and you can hear them when there's a bit of a lull in the crowd noise down here, there's a light show going on up there it would appear as well people are standing on the tops of buildings I've seen now, trying to get a view of the game I say England, one up, Harry Winks found himself in space and slotted home but it's been a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a non first half well saying that the the Tifo that the Kosovans raised at the beginning of the game was pretty special. A welcome and respect with the Poppy. Flanked either side by a Kosovan flag and a St George's Cross. It was a nice touch. And the national anthems were well respected. Kosovo being very vocal, as the supporters very vocal every time they've gone forward, but not really tested England. Say half time and do a leaper is play more flag watch Cheshire United over the far side Donny Owls Fulham Reading on tour as well Lewis <laughs> three second half goals Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane Mason Mount England 4, Kosovo 0 Kosovo's do a final lap of honour well deserved as well they've had a, uh, a decent campaign here they're still going to the playoffs as I watch the crowd leave and go off into the night thank you very much Kosovo you've been great Delighted to be joined, uh, as I often am, by CJ Joyner. How are you? Okay, thanks, Russ. How are you? Yeah, all oh, good, thank you. Kosovo, what a uh, what a place to finish off the year and the campaign. How did you find it?
0: Oh, what a lovely place. Um, it's lovely people. There's stories of guys just pulling up to a bar in a car, putting hazards on, jumping out, and paying paying for people's drinks. You know, <laughs> um, a table a, a table full of English and just paying their bar bill. And then jumping back shaking people's hands, jumping back in the car, and driving off it's kind of its it's pretty surreal, really, and I think it says a lot really that there's no that there wasn't any trouble at all. It says a lot that you've got that with the amount of people that were there compared to normal and look at the welcome that we got in the first place. Mm. that says a lot as well I think and hopefully hopefully that if if we get an away game somewhere next year or if it's during the tournament. And there are any problems. It can be looked at. This can be. And also back in Montenegro as well, that can be looked at saying, well, look, you know, it's not always that. It's not all. England fans aren't always that badly behaved. There's the odd time, but but generally it's the minority. And when there's smaller allocations, there isn't the trouble. It's just not there.
1: Yeah, no, no, you are right. Uh, but the the actual game, it, it was it's a bit of a uh, real feather in the cap to actually be at that one, wasn't it? The the, the fact that there were so little England fans within the ground, that the fact that it was against Kosovo, uh, it's just one of those. I was there games, wasn't it? I guess a bit like the people that went to Kazakhstan quite a while back now.
0: Yeah, very small allocation. It's it's one of these that you'll remember for a long, long, long time, and I was very, really I was really pleased to read that you got a, um, you got a ticket when uh, when you put it out there, Russ. And um, it's a it was what it was a special night, and I mean just read <laughs> down to the um, the the first name of each player being read out from from uh, both teams, and then both sets of fans <laughs> reading out the surnames, you know down yeah. to. <laughs> The, we, we didn't the, the really applause. The, yeah. I mean, our, our players seem to get applause for for things that they were doing from the opposition fans, which it was just surreal. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in that sort of situation before.
1: And I, I don't think we'll. I can't imagine England getting a reception like that anywhere in in the world again. I think that was that was the one time only, and I think it's just because of the circumstances of of it all.
0: Yeah, you can see how, um, how grateful they are for, for everything that our brave armed forces did for them and, and some, of them, some of them laid down their lives. And I, I believe, I'd have to double check this, but I think the last British serviceman that died in that area was about 2007. It wasn't actually that long ago. Um, It's what 12 years ago something like that I believe so so the country itself isn't that old as we know and I don't think it's even recognised by the UN at the moment Um, but obviously FIFA and UEFA have have been able to recognise them and and it's it's put it's put them well. Hopefully, it's it's going to help them get independence, and um, it, they can they can use that as an example of saying, "Well, look, you know, we're, we're playing as an independent country, we're, we're self governed and we're self financed, and we can we we can go forward from here." And you know, you look at the people and how how nice they are and what a, what a wonderful bunch they are, that they deserve it. They really do.
1: Yeah. Well, On to the game few surprises on the England front, but I guess healthy changes, weren't they?
0: They were, yeah.
1: Obviously Nick Pope in goal,
0: didn't he? Yeah, they? yeah. It was a nice change, just to see him, given 90 minutes. Um, I mean, I was very pleased to see Madison come on. Um you know, he's he's had a bit of a uh, he's had a bit of a tough time, really. I think uh, with the reasons for that, you know, we we won't go into it really. But um, he, uh, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Obviously, good good for my good for my club at Coventry, and uh, mm-hmm. good, good good for our academy. You know, we, we've produced a lot of good players. With Callum Wilson's another one.
1: Did they get um, a uh, get a payment out of that? Was there anything to say? If believe, he makes an England
0: cat? I believe it's about hundred thousand. I mean, obviously, he went from us to Norwich. And we, we got a reasonable fee there, and then then from Norwich to Leicester, there was a, a pretty healthy chunk of money there, you know, a few million from a sell-on, and then uh, the, there's obviously a, a certain percentage from everything he gets from now that gets passed back to Norwich, and then a percentage of that gets passed to us. So we um, we're still reaping the rewards on that.
1: I yeah, know these people that complain about an international break when their, their club sides don't play. Uh, sometimes they're getting a healthy little win for, aren't they?
0: Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of League One and League Two do play, so um, you know, true, it doesn't yes. stop. Yeah. No. Uh, Mason Mount got his goal as well, didn't he? Took that well. He did. Um, I was, I was very chuffed for him. Uh, but he got that. He got that. And um, again, he he's looking very good, isn't he? Um, yeah. I can't think against Bulgaria. He he was one of the no, not Bulgaria. Sorry, Czech Republic. He was. I think I think it was there where he was one of the only players really that you looked at and you thought, yeah, he actually had a good game. So, yeah, I tried um, to block the
1: Czech Republic out.
0: Yeah, it didn't happen. So um, yeah, I'm I'm perfectly happy for saying that that didn't happen. Yeah, I'm. I was very pleased with what he uh, what he contributed.
1: And and I didn't realise it and. Quite why I didn't realise Harry Kane scored in every qualifier, didn't he?
0: That that didn't occur to me until you just said that to me. Now, I mean, it makes sense since he scored. How mm. I many did he, he score? Was it twelve, thirteen, or something? Something know, along those lines. And I think he had five or six assists as well. I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of uh, amount of goals and assists with his. You know, well, easy opposition. Let, let's face mm. it; they weren't. It wasn't the hardest group in the world. How you look? There's some groups of Germany and Holland in, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you can only beat what's in front of you. And he he was professional every single time, and I'm 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 loving the guy more and more every single time. And but he has got some competition behind him. I mean, his most natural replacement is probably Wilson. Who um, who's had a bad time with knee injuries, but he's come back it better, you know, better and better and better and better. Um, and you've got Abraham as well there that's that's chomping at the bit and wanting to get in there. You've got Hudson Adoy that wants to play there, and the competition is healthy. And we, we've only really got one, you know, one role for a striker yeah. in the starting eleven with the way how we play. And
1: and it's his it, at the moment, it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's his at the moment. It looks like. It's it's going to be his for the foreseeable. I mean, the, the the end of the day, as I said about Callum Wilson, I'd I'd love to see I'd love to see him start every game, but he's older than Harry Kane, and he could well he could well miss out on a good chunk of caps that he may have got in the past. At the end of the day, Kane is the better option at the moment. He's scoring, and if he if he's injured at any point, I'm sure Wilson will take the opportunity, but I can't see that happening.
1: I really yeah. can't. I know we brief we briefly spoke in Pristina um, about Harry Kane that he he'll beat that record, won't he?
0: Easily, I mean, we joked at the the Montenegro game that yeah, I think in the first half he was what nine nine goals off uh, uh, Michael Owen, and we think, well, he won't actually make that uh, this game, <laughs> yeah. and you just don't know. But he, he, depending on how next year goes, if he has another tournament like he did. In Russia last year, he he will almost certainly go ahead of Owen. I, I would say because he's he's going to get four or five. Um, if if we go all the way to the, in the tournament, it it he he needs to do that for us to go all the way. Um, I I believe anyway. Um, he needs to get four or five six goals. Yeah. And then you've got the friendlies and the um the pre tournament friendlies in the run um, up to that. So he's you've, you've got plenty of opportunities, and he he could be on forty plus. by the the time we start the next campaign in September.
1: It could well be, although he may not be a Spurs player. I don't know. We'll see how it gets Mm -hmm. on with Mourinho. Well, yes, yes, that's
0: that's going to be interesting, and we know we know some players, some players that are out there, some very good players, Essien and so on, have called him daddy, um, and uh, there's plenty of players that um, don't necessarily like him as much. So um, we'll we'll just have to see how he gets on with that, won't we? Yeah, we'll, we'll so sort
1: of wait and see. Uh, so we are through. We we beat Montenegro on uh, at Wembley in that thousandth game, put us through to the Euros on home soil, or pretty much on home soil next year. And the draw is November the thirtieth. I'm I've looked at it vaguely and, and glazed over a bit. Looks a bit complicated, but you you seem to feel it's a little bit more straightforward.
0: Uh well <laughs> or or not. <laughs> I think you've got to read into it a little bit. Once you've read into it a little bit, you, you can kind of see where we are. I mean, I believe that we get one of France, Poland, Switzerland, Croatia, one of Portugal. Turkey, Austria, Sweden, Czech Republic and then the winners of playoff path C or D and I think the reason why they, they can't work out at the moment who that um, who that is right now in that in that final spot is because it could be Hungary or Scotland could come through there. Now at the end of the day Hungary and Scotland could come through, they're both hosts so obviously Scotland have been told if you, if you qualify you will be, you'll be at Hampden and Basically, Hungary have said that Hungary have been told the same. So the same as all the other playoff, the, the teams in the playoffs. I think there's 16 of them, so that, that are hosts. So yeah. that that's why that's why it's in that position. And um, I mean, it is mind blowing, really, the amount of permutations due to the fact that, like, for example, Russia can't play Ukraine. I don't think in the groups and so on. And there's a couple of other t- there's a couple of other situations like that. Than being 12 hosts. And so on. Like, for example, Group B is already pretty much settled with Belgium, Russia and Denmark, certain of Group B. And then there's only one team to draw from that for pot four. So um, we know that Sp- we know that the winner of Ireland's playoff path plays Spain, uh, for example. Um, group C is Ukraine and Netherlands. So it, we, we, our group, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not as decided as some of the others. I mean, the Champions League is very similar to this as well. I mean, that that is just mind-boggling, really. And there's very few teams. Apart from the amount of teams in it, there's very few teams you can actually play against. In the group stage, it, it, they get moved around all the time and it seems it's very similar this time with the Euros. Yeah, it's...
1: It's not as fun, I don't think. But we will—we'll uh, find out. November the thirtieth is when the draw is actually done, and and we'll have a, a podcast to uh, to reflect on that as and when it happens. But they England have announced that they've got two friendlies in March. One of them has been already announced that so we've got Denmark at home, um, and there'll be another. I think that's on a, is that on the Monday, the thirty-first of March? Yeah, and then I think there's going to be a, a game on the. 27th, which I think is a Friday, uh, which is yet to be announced at time of recording this, Uh, and then we're going to have games. uh, It's been worded a little bit differently. Basically, they they can't be played at Wembley before the Euros in June. Word is that we're going to be going up to St James's Park in Newcastle, and and because it's on the road, there's a possibility of one away. Is that right? Is that how you read it?
0: Well, they said there's going to be one in Europe, didn't
1: they? So I mean, well, Newcastle is in Europe.
0: Yeah, yeah, we all love we, we all love away games, don't we? we? We'd rather be there than anywhere else. Wembley's um, Wembley's at the bottom of the list for me, and then obviously out on the road, and then top of the list is an away game. But oh, I can just see it—you can just see it, can't you? That game in Cardiff or Hamden, you know, it's, it, they're going to build us up. We think we're going to get Austria. We think we're going to get I don't know Romania or something, and we'll end up with it. They would, they would do. We'll, we'll end up, we'll end up with Scotland or Wales at home, uh, well away. And surely, be, though, if I mean. if
1: Hamden is going to be used as a, a host city, we couldn't play there, though, could we?
0: That, that's true. So I suppose, actually, the same as Romania. To be fair, actually, there you go. So, so I mean, Aust- I know Austria has been muted. It it looks like a fantastic ground that was um, a mate, a mate of mine and yours actually, um, Bill. He's. Yep. Um, He's been there, and he's shown me the um he's shown me the, the, the uh, pictures and whatever. And,
1: well, we last played in I Austria two thousand and seven, so we've got a little little while since we played yeah. there. So yeah, I've never been, was, it would be a good one. Right?
0: Yeah, it's a it's about time we had a game there. I mean, I believe that we owe Switzerland a game away, don't we? Um, and I, don't, I don't know, you know, if if that doesn't happen in June, no, you know, it's going to be a long, long, long time until that can happen. It's about two years later. Right so you know so we played, we'll,
1: played in Basel a while back I think didn't we a qualifier there and I know for a fact we played them in 2010
0: Yeah it's just that from the from the game that I think was it was it in Leicester that game the uh, Switzerland. Yeah yeah so it, a reverse
1: fixture for that yes yeah I see where you're yeah. coming from yeah.
0: yeah so I mean we'll just have to see on that but I mean there's plenty of teams that we we owe games to But I mean we played Portugal in the run up to I think it was 2016 it Euros, Yeah, yeah. so um we have, although obviously we played in the um, Nations League, but we haven't played friendly out there. So th- there's plenty, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of teams where we've hosted at Wembley, and we haven't we haven't gone there. Ghana's one, obviously, and uh, that'd be an interesting <laughs> place to go. But I can't see us going there just before the uh, the tournament.
1: No, you'll have to uh, to give me one of your Sky Scanner ways of getting to if <laughs> That comes up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. CJ always good to speak to you and i guess uh well we'll we'll speak in we'll speak in december when we'll do our look back over the year if that's good with
0: you no problem no problem at all oh, nice one all right well uh, we'll speak soon okay cheers russ
1: Now, as promised, I said we'd run through some of the results from the other England games that have been played during this international break. We'll start with the Lionesses. We'll go back to the 9th of November. Seems like a little while ago for that one. Game actually went to Went to see the Lionesses play Germany at Wembley. Bit of a damp one, really. It was very reminiscent of 2014 when we last played Germany and we last played them at Wembley. It was just wet in the air, damp, cold as well, but... It didn't stop 77,768 from turning out, which was in fact more than the attendance for the men's game against Montenegro. Unfortunately, the result, though, didn't go our way, and to be frank, Germany were the better team on the night. But Ellen White, she came into the team and she equalised just on half-time, although i say the Germans won it, and deservedly so right at the death. But another great advert uh, for the women's game, just a shame that the results didn't come with it. But a few days later, on the 12th, the Lionesses went over to the Czech Republic and for the last game of the year in a friendly, they beat them by three goals to two, ending the year with a win. Leah Williamson, I think, pretty much saving Phil Neville's neck after the Lionesses' recent results of late. Uh, She got a late winner, this after the Czechs had gone ahead. The other Lionesses' goal scorers were Bethany England and Beth Mead. And following that Wembley game, I'm sure it was a bit of a come down as this seemed to be played in front of a less than a 100 if the TV footage was anything to go by. But I do know there were some England fans out there, so full credit to you guys because it did look cold with persistent snow in the air. Now, as I've said before, I am looking for a, a contributor for the Lionesses. If you do follow the Lionesses... Please do get in touch. It would be good to have a another voice, another perspective on the Lionesses. Uh, if you'd like to come on the podcast, just drop me a line, get in touch. Now the Young Lions, the under-21s, let's start with those guys. On the 15th of November, they faced Albania in a Euro under-21 qualifier. They came away with a 3-0 win. Goals from Man City's Phil Foden, Charlton's Conor Gallagher and Arsenal's Rhys Nelson. And then on the 19th, they travelled over to Doachingham in Holland, where they played the Netherlands. Went down by two goals to one, as the Dutch scored in the very last minute. Mason Greenwood from Manchester United had equalised in the second half. The under-20s, on the 14th of November, they beat Portugal in a friendly by four goals to nil. Goals from Tyrese Campbell, he got two. He's from Stoke. Manchester City's Ian Pavida Ocampo got one and Arsenal's Emil Smith-Rowe. Then on the 19th, England faced Iceland. They faced an Iceland under-21 team. This was played at Adams Park in Wickham. Reading's Danny Loder, Ian Pavida Campo again from Manchester City. He got two in a 3-0 win. The under-19s played three games on the 13th of November. They thrashed Luxembourg 4-0 in a Euro 2020 qualifier. And Manchester City's Taylor Harwood-Bellis getting one. Fiorentina's Bobby Duncan got two. And Hamburg's Javier Amici got another. Then on the 16th of November, England had another Euro Championships qualifier. North Macedonia nil, England 5. Tommy Doyle. Got a goal uh, of Manchester City, Anthony Gordon of Everton, James Garner got two from Manchester United, and Arsenal's uh, Bukayo Saka got one. And then three days later, they travelled to Bosnia and Herzegovina, where they came away with a 4 1 win in another Euro Championships qualifier. Chelsea's Faustino Angerin got a goal, Manchester United's Ethan Laird. Taylor Harwood Bellis of Manchester City got one, and Anthony Gordon of Everton got one. The under 18s, well, they had three games in Spain, lucky them. They beat Russia by five goals to two. PSV's Noni Maduke got a goal, got one. Sam Greenwood of Arsenal, Cole Palmer of Man City, Morgan Rogers of Man City, and Alex Mighton of Nottingham Forest. They drew four all with Norway two days later. Manchester City's James McTee got two. Sam Greenwood of Arsenal got another. And Miguel Azizas, also from Arsenal, got one. And finally, they rounded up with a game against the Czech Republic, which they won by a goal to nil. Uh, again, another goal from Noni Maduke, he of PSV. And finally, the under-17s, they had two games. Unfortunately, the first one played at Alfreton Town. was against Denmark, where they went down by three goals to one. Lewis Dobbin of Everton getting the goal there. And then they rounded off the year with a 2-0 victory over the Czech Republic. Played at Solihull Moors. And Alex Robertson of Manchester City got both goals there. There you go. That's our round-up of all the England teams that have played over this international break. And it is worth mentioning... If you do want to catch up with some of the live commentary from some of the Young Lions games, there is a Twitter feed, Live Sports FM. Go and have a uh, go and check them out because they've got the commentary for a lot of the Young Lions games and uh, it comes highly recommended. I've listened a couple of times. Before we go, just a quick look at some of our England bloggers following the recent games. Dom Smith at englandfootball.org, 7th heaven on England's special night. Helped by Harry Kane's 19-minute hat-trick, England celebrated their 1,000 match in felicitous fashion, earning their biggest ever win at the New Wembley. That was following the Montenegro game and after Kosovo... Prolific England sign off in style. England thwarted another impressive Kosovo display to confirm their status as top-seeded side at Euro 2020. Harry Winks and Mason Mount scored their first international goals. Jonathan Theobie at FootballEngland.org England's Millennium Men roar into Euro 2020. And don't forget Matt Asprey who we spoke with earlier can be found at Matt on Twitter as can CJ at CJ Kov Blaze. My name's Russell Osborne. You can find me at Three Lions Podcast, Facebook and Instagram too. And as I alluded to with CJ there, we'll have a draw podcast coming up soon to reflect on who, what, where, why, how, when, all things Euro 2020 related. Plus, did I mention a special interview with a former Three Lions player to come too? So please do like, subscribe, blah, 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 all the usual stuff. So until then, cheers.